No Gods, No Monsters contains spoilers, profanity, and substance use. Did anyone expect Gamera to have great big anime titties? I miss those. <laughs> uh, I was just expecting it. You know, I don't watch a lot of anime. I know one thing about anime. Mm. And Gamera didn't have those. Oh, you're complaining <laughs> that Gamera... I thought you're... I I'm you're, not complaining. You're like I'm just surprised confused. that Gamera had uh, big swinging titties. <laughs> I mean, Gamera looked good like it's almost gamera didn't need the titties you know what i mean no. like they probably played around with it and decided <laughs> gamera's no. sensual enough probably like the, the the people are gonna be the kids are gonna be doodling gamera in the corner of their notebook all day longingly already you know yeah, yeah very wise but yeah is this even anime then i don't know i have no idea hmm let me see i'm just gonna google anime Oh yeah, it's still anime. I, I looked up some reviews of this because I was hoping to find some like actual writing on this because I thought there's some weird shit in here and I thought like surely someone has written about the new Gamera and nothing really, just like like basic you know like synopsis and whether or not it's worth watching and but everyone did describe it as anime. That was like across the board. Okay. So I guess you don't need big turtle titties for it to be anime. I guess not. You learn something new every yeah, day. Yeah, this has been a learning experience for me. <laughs> Welcome to No Gods, No Monsters. We're the anti-capitalist kaiju and monster movie podcast in a world where no one's coming to save us. I'm Rabbit. I'm Charlie, here to say goodbye to another hot Barto summer. <laughs> Charlie's waving, just so you all know. And, and I'm Barto. And today we are talking about Gamera Rebirth, the show that just came out. Sorry if you listened to our last episode. Nope, we lied to you. We said that King Kong Lives was next, but that's because we're we're not up. We're not hip to the new shit, and we didn't realize this was coming out right now. But it is, so we're recording and shoving it in front. But after this episode, we're going back to our regularly scheduled King Kong Lives. There you go. That's right. One thing I just want to note before we jump forward is that we're in this wild time with kaiju franchises where now, as of this release, every like major kaiju franchise that's current has a Netflix anime. There's the Netflix Godzilla anime trilogy from 2017 and the Netflix uh, Godzilla Singular Point. Uh, there is Skull Island, the uh, King Kong anime that also came out this year on netflix there is the ultraman anime which is three seasons from 2019 to 2023 and pacific rim the black the pacific rim anime that was two seasons 2021 to 2022 is pretty crazy that all of them did this but yeah i haven't seen the ultraman one but i guess i've seen the rest of them and uh i don't know some are good some are bad Godzilla Singular Point is fucking awesome. Pacific Rim is fine. Skull Island's fine. 
Godzilla anime trilogy is trash and Gamera Rebirth, we'll find out what we thought. But I'm assuming y'all haven't seen any of those. What is anime? It's right in. If you know what anime is, <laughs> yeah, write yeah. us. Uh, uh, drop no a... Godspod at gmail.com. Yeah. Sound off in the comments. Yeah. I've seen Singular Point and I watched the first episode of The Ultraman when that first came out, I think. Okay. A couple of years ago, but only the that first That one looks episode. like it has very bad animation. Like all of them have this weird 3D thing, but that one looked especially bad. That's why I didn't follow it to a second episode. I was like, maybe I'll come back to this at some other point. But yeah, I was not digging the animation in it. I watched Skull Island when it came out a few months ago kind of deciding if it was good enough that I could pressure y'all to cover it. Um, and yeah, I think I know it, what you decided. <laughs> and most of it was just fine. And then one episode was like really cool, like had a lot to, to go off of, but I still didn't do it. I still didn't push y'all. Maybe one day. Hmm. Anyway, uh, Charlie, you want to tell us what this movie's about? Google.com defines animation as the state of being full of life with vigor, liveliness. <laughs> this is why they say Gamma Rebirth is animated. I'm learning a lot. Please continue, Che. In 1989, <laughs> Japan, soon-to-be sixth graders Joe, Junichi, and Boko are nearing the end of another hot Barto summer. Boko is about to go to a fancy-ass private school. So the three are saving up for a high-powered radio to keep in touch with each other. However, a strapping young American lad, Brody, the son of a general currently stationed in Japan, takes their money for taxes. Then a bunch of Gaios attack. In a world where kaiju are only found in media, people are not prepared for the mass death now at their doorsteps. Fortunately, Gamera is prepared, and this turtle dude shows up on the scene to save the day and behead. It turns out that the kaiju were known to a shadowy organization known as the Eustace Foundation, a group that develops moon resources or something. Foundation scientists Zaki and Amiko are in charge of his kaiju division. They use this authority to recruit the four children and take them to an ocean mining facility where they house the mummified corpse of a virus. The, the kaiju, not the, the, the sickness. Um, on the way there, the kids have the summer of their lives as they are constantly attacked by everyone's favorite kaijus and constantly saved by the all-time greatest kaiju, Gamera, a.k.a. Mr. Turtz, who has some kind of mental connection with Boko. The Foundation is actually evil and planning to use the kaiju to decimate the human population. Amiko is planning to take over the Foundation, but the kids and Gamera win. The end. Do y'all... I don't, but do y'all have any, like, outside references or sources? I looked for yeah. stuff. I didn't see anything. N Nobody read uh, Heinlein's book? No. The Moon is a Cruel Mistress or whatever it is? Uh, I have read that. The oh, moon, you have? The harsh Moon mistress. is a Harsh Mistress. All right. uh, we'll be picking your brain soon, Charlie. What like is 15 that? 15 years ago in uh, my sci-fi literature it's, class. It's a Robert A. Heinlein book, and it's the name of one of the episodes. Yeah. I was kind of expecting you to, to have a bunch on that, Barto. I'm pretty disappointed. I don't no, know why. I just no assumed. literary references. Didn't get any of them. Jesus Christ, folks. This we this came out a few days ago. You couldn't have wrapped... Anyway. I have much bigger claims about this. It's like a libertarian book. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, this, this fucking tracks with all the other <laughs> shit. See, I'm so glad to Hell know yeah. this. I'm so glad to know this. Wait, can, no, wait, so before we go any further, could you tell me about 
this book because now I'm just like a brief. I have the I have the Wikipedia first uh, paragraph to start if that works. Yeah, perfect, perfect. All right, the, the Moon is a Harsh Mistress is a 1966 science fiction novel by American writer Robert A. Heinlein about a lunar colony's revolt against absence absentee rule from Earth. The novel illustrates and discusses libertarian ideals. It is respected for its credible presentation of a comprehensively imagined future human society on both the Earth and the Moon. That's all I got. Thanks, homie. Appreciate you, Charlie. Any little nuggets from that that you remember from your uh, from your journey years ago? I remember enjoying it, and then having to write an essay about libertarianism or something like that, and. Oh my god, Charlie's wearing a Don't Tread on Me shirt. I didn't even notice until now. <laughs> Holy shit, bro. Anyway, we should make not Don't Tread on Me shirts, but it's Gamera instead of a snake. I just think we should. That's what I'm getting bad looks. I'm getting nose <laughs> from the facial expression. I wasn't paying attention to whatever stupid thing you're saying. <laughs> oh, thank you, Charlie. It's okay. I was talking about Bartha's face anyway. You looked the same as you always look, Charlie. You're welcome. <laughs> okay, I'm Run. just going to go ahead and give my, my general thoughts. Yeah, please do. Uh, yeah, I wasn't sure what to expect with this because, you know, it has that like kind of cheap mix of 2D and 3D that they've been doing in these that sometimes works, sometimes doesn't. And... Sometimes I thought the CG creatures looked like shit, but sometimes I thought they looked awesome. I don't know. Overall, I really enjoyed it. Like, I don't feel like the kid's story was necessarily for me, and it was a little, like... It was just, like, a little predictable or dull at times. But overall, I got through the whole thing enjoying it. I thought it was really fucking clever how they, like, put the kids at the forefront by, like... Like, they figured out one of the things that I feel like this era of kaiju stuff has figured out better than old eras is how to make the human characters interact with the kaiju destruction. And this one did a really good job of making the kids like, you know, Gamera is a, always the story of like saving kids, making the kids have some like metaphysical or magical or whatever reason that they would be the center of it. As hokey as it was, I was like, oh, this is a good vehicle to get them in the boat with the or in the like in the water for the water monsters on the land for the land monsters in space, whatever. And I just thought it was clever how they used, like, Virus, Giron, Jiger, and Zegra have not appeared ever, if you don't count mm -hmm. the reused footage in other movies, since their first movies in the 60s and 70s. And I think it was really cool to have, like, creative versions of them used in this show. So, I don't know. I thought it was, like... Oh, if we if we're aiming this at an audience that wants to see Gamera fighting old monsters again, how do we write a story for that? It wasn't like the most intriguing story, but it it worked as a vehicle for that. Yeah. So we were discussing whether to split this into two episodes or do it as one, and Bart was like, "We really need to do it as one because there's not a lot there." So uh, I was kind of went into this with low expectations based on that, and I I really enjoyed it. Uh, uh, you know, one of my, my criticisms of um, Godzilla animation. Singular point? Yeah, singular point. Was that, you know, it starts off the series with like a warning that says, you should not watch this unless you have some kind of science degree. And this uh, TV, this series does not have that because I think it's more of like a snobs versus slobs. And this is the slobs 
uh, this TV show is for the slobs. We can all get into this. And I think it was a, yeah, it was a really enjoyable, easy to understand. Sorry, didn't always make sense, but uh, made sense enough. Um, I thought the kaiju looked awesome. And the human animation, I did not like it for a while, but then I kind of got used to it. And it's okay with, with the way the humans looked. Um, I thought it was a lot of fun. And yeah, like you bring up, these kind of like lesser known kaiju that uh, are relegated to what are known by stupid people as bad movies. Um, it kind of does like a redemption arc for them by bringing them back and making them pretty awesome, uh, in my opinion. Um, yeah, it was a good show. I, I hope they do more. By not a lot there, I sort of meant, particularly in the, the, the first half, I didn't think there was like a lot to like sink our teeth into. You know, we could talk about that the monster fights were kind of cool, but even that I was sort of what I, I, you know, there was like a rhythm to them, you know, like all each, each of the episodes just like kind of moved in a very similar way and had like a kind of, um, you know, the fights had a similar, you know, like the tension, you know, you, you knew it was going to, you knew exactly when Gamera was going to arrive every episode because, there was no other option. You know, that was the only Ooh. thing that could save the kids at that moment. And so you like, you know, and the, the fight would happen and then the Gamera victory music would kick in, except the last episode, they did not play the victory music for Gamera. But, you know, what I mean, it, it, it sort of felt like, which is not to say it was like a bad program. I didn't, I didn't like dislike it. I, I had mostly had fun watching it. I also thought the monsters looked really good. I thought the people, the animation of the people reminded me a lot of like the legend of Zelda or something like that. But mm -hmm. like in the way that like the interactions between characters don't look like they're like really happening. You know, it doesn't look like one person actually connecting with another person, particularly like from any, like from camera angles that are any, like distance away or anything like that but but that didn't really like bother me i enjoyed it i enjoyed watching it and it was it was fine right on no i i kind of knew what you meant when you said there's not a lot to it but also like that was like your just one comment about it and uh it kind of did lower my expectations going into it which isn't fair to you i guess but no you're welcome yeah. though yeah for real you're welcome i i do be doing that so I don't, I don't know what kind of themes or things y'all want to get into. I have some. None of them are super deep, but I'm I'm excited to do some. But right. I kind of feel like starting Steve with Jobs. monsters and monster battles would be would be cool. Are you all okay with that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, let's just start at the top with Gauss. Uh, also, it was nice finally watching a movie where I knew how they pronounced their names. Uh, so now I know how to pronounce their names. That's fun. Yeah, I was just saying... Gauss, Gauss. That's what I've always said, but they all said Gauss. Hmm. Uh, I, I mean, follow. F feel free not to fall into the imperialism of l correct language pronunciation yeah. Yeah, and do whatever you. you want. I gotta say, just right off the bat, I liked that they started off the first monster, who's you know, Gauss is one of the most well-known adversaries like has appeared in multiple of the Showa movies, also appeared in multiple of the Heisei movies, and. I liked that they immediately connected Gauss to mining, which is what he comes from or she comes from. I don't remember in the in the first one. I thought that was really cool. 
just right off the bat, it felt like they took a page from, you know, the Heisei trilogy making Gauss, like, not just one big monster, yeah. but a bunch of monsters, mm. uh, which is kind of cool for a flying creature. And also, Singular Point, like, took that from them mm-hmm. with Rodan. And then now they're kind of coming after with an anime on Netflix and doing it with Gauss again. Just kind of cool. I liked that there was, like, flocks of them in the first episode. I agree. Yeah, and I thought it was an awesome-looking Gauss. Uh, uh, I liked how it has, like, a bunch of eyes, right? Yeah, at least later. Yeah, I don't know if the earlier ones had that. I think that was, like, just the final episode when it was, you know, its cells were multiplying in some way. It's a special one. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. That which when I hear the cells are multiplying rapidly, I think uh cancer and bad, yeah. but apparently for kai- kaijus it's good. So, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I love one of the coolest things about Gamera versus Gauss is that Gauss has that like laser that just cleanly cuts through anything, you know, in the original cut through like a helicopter mm. that just perfectly splits and people right. fall out and it's so cool. And they use that so well. I just love that they they made their powers kind of they expanded some of them, but they made their powers kind of stick with the original. And like when Gauss, when one of them like shoots the front off of a fighter jet and it goes spinning, that shit was so cool. Like I was this show legit made me giddy. Like they had so much fun with the action in this show. I mean, I mentioned earlier, the the kaiju fights throughout this whole show, I think, were just consistently awesome. Looked great and were fun and inventive. Um, Yeah, I like the the tongue that they added to the Gauss. Yes. It's a fucking long, spiky tongue, I guess, that it can stab you with. Um, and it, it can stab you, but it also like lolls out of its mouth like, yeah, a, right. like a caricature of a mad person <laughs> or on the street, you know. <laughs> and then I guess it can also like push things through its tongue or something, or maybe yeah, it's just that one could. But um, we're gonna get back to that. That's yeah. Important. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. But yeah, it, and it tries to stab those kids in the first episode and it gets electrocuted through its tongue. That was cool stuff, man. That was cool, cool stuff. I thought the kids were going to be like, oh, now we know it's secret weakness. We need to trick it into electrocuting itself with its tongue. But um, that didn't happen. That would have been good. Yeah. I liked liked the comparison and we'll get to this topic in general later, I think, but there was a lot of grabbing from different paranormal conspiracy kind of ideas. And I liked that the cryptozoology came up with Gauss and they compared Gauss to the Thunderbirds of North America. Right, right, right. That was very cool. Moo came back again. Remember, we've we've had many. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of uh, paranormal conspiracy theory stuff. Uh, There's a whole magazine dedicated to it. Yeah, the Moo Mag or whatever they called it. Um. Should we talk about the final Gauss now, or should we save that for the last? The, the one other thing I wanted to say about Gauss was they did that scene. It felt like a direct homage to the Velociraptors in the kitchen in the original Jurassic oh, yeah. Park movie. They did with them in the arcade. That that yes. was like a nod to that, definitely. I liked that nod, and I so that was before we'd yet seen a kaiju fight. And at that point, you know, I'm still waiting for the show to win me over. And I was kind of disappointed. Like, it felt a little stiff. I was like, oh, this is a nod to Jurassic Park. And I was like, oh, I feel no tension. 
right now. Right. It feels kind I of agree. fake. And and it didn't really work for me. And then we get to fucking Gamera showing up. And the kaiju fights in this fucking show are so goddamn good. Like, I mean, I, I don't know. It's hard not to talk about Gamera. I kind of want to talk about Gamera last. But, mm. like, God, the moves are cool and unique. And it's like, you know how many goddamn kaiju movies I've seen? I've seen a lot of, but, like, there's a lot of kaiju movies. Even There's 36 of one character. You know what I mean? And they somehow <laughs> came up with really original moves for them to do. And... Mm-hmm. while leaning into the like bloody limbs falling off stuff of Gamera yeah. while still being a kids movie which kind of folds into the is this a kids movie the kids yeah. are cussing thing I don't know that's interesting yeah oh what about Jiger that's one you've actually seen Barto you that was the first one you watched with us right that was the first one I watched uh I was disappointed that Jiger didn't make Gamera pregnant <laughs> <laughs> No one got tiny and went inside of no. of Gamera to find a baby Jagger. That was like the fight that, out of all the kaiju fights, the one that like kind of stuck with me the least, I think. Mm. It wasn't like bad. For me, I think it was Zegra. It was so fast. Yeah. I was going to say Zegra. But yeah, the, what was it with, oh, the Jagger, yeah, the Gamera yeah. putting his arm down, like first heating up his arm and then putting it down his throat was so cool. That was so fucking cool. I I also liked how they were like, hey, we and other properties have have done this thing with Gauss and and Rodan where we make them a flock. Why don't we just do that with Jagger too? There's just flocks of Jaggers. That was cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I was. Oh, go ahead. And the Jagger, the main one, gets to his size because he eats all the other ones, right? Oh, really? I think yeah. I think we we see him like eating some of the the other Jaggers. And then later they talk about how kaiju is like cannibals because that like helps restore their tissue or whatever. We're going to come uh, back to whoa. that too. Because I was wondering about that um, during my – after my first watch, I was like, wait, what? Didn't we see like a bunch of jaggers in the sewer or something? But then rewatching, you see him like eating some of the other jaggers. That so makes I think sense. That's, I think that's what happened. Very cool. I was so confused when people started calling Jagger a lizard. That is never how I thought of Jagger. Did y'all? You look lizardy to me. The original, I was like, "Is it a lionfish?" I don't. I don't remember what we what we said he was. We like speculated on that one, but I don't think lizard was even on the table. No, I wouldn't have said lizard. Let's jump to Zegra. I don't have a lot to say, but that underwater swimming Bone stuff fish. was fucking cool, and the design was cool. Like Zegra in the original is so boring, but this Zegra was cool. Yeah. yeah, this secret is cool, but I still think out of all of the kaiju, it had the least impact on me. Uh, like I mentioned, there wasn't as much of a fight. Uh, but totally. I, I really like the the part when um it gets on land and it's like it's like approaching the radio tower, like yes, slowly like going towards it while they're trying to figure out the broadcast. Um, I thought that was very cool and effective. Yeah, hell I thought yeah, that looked good. Oh, that reminds me of uh, with going back a little with Jagger when he the shot when he broke out from underground and like you have that view with like the tanks and shit in front of you, I think on a beach or something. And he breaks out of the ground and like the water towers falling over. That was Mm. some that shit was like grabbing me and making me like, okay, they know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Good use of scale in a lot of these like good sense of scale that I appreciated, which we didn't always get in the old ones. 
Totally, totally. Creative use of scale. Um, one of those for me is coming up. But what what did y'all think of Gear on? Fucking floppy, bouncy ass. <laughs> uh, that thing was bouncing all over the goddamn place. That's what I think of it. Yeah. Um, I loved it. Yeah, I, he looked like fucking he, great. I, signed I was, that guy up for the Olympics. I was, but that was like the thing I was thinking about is that in Gear on, it's actually. It's our boy Gamera who is the mm-hmm. like Olympic athlete, mm. and we didn't get to see anything like that. So this <laughs> was true. a net negative to the the original film in terms of Gamera. I could have <laughs> used some pole swinging, some anything, some sort of acrobatics from our turtle boy. <laughs> so funny. But yeah, that that sort of like animation that kept coming up of him kind of like whipping his head back and then chopping the the oil or or the deep ocean drilling facility. That was fucking yeah. awesome. Good for him, man. Um, there you yeah. go. And speaking about the cannibalism, I think uh, that episode opens with he eats uh, um, Zegra's corpse. Yes. Oh. Yes. Yeah. Shit. Um. And then it just fucking just rocks out and just flops on shit and destroys it. Doesn't even need that knife head most of the time. It's just fucking flopping over the place and breaking shit. So cool. Gear, I loved him. Giron was by far my favorite kaiju. I loved the way it moved. It was mm-hmm. so funny. And they just were like, let's go for it. Who gives a shit? Yeah. This is a giant knife head. Yeah. And it looked like it was wearing, it looked like Cloud from Final Fantasy VII sword, <laughs> just like on his head. Like it didn't look like it was part of it, which was so cool. Buster sword. And I just loved that shit. This And uh, my favorite scale moment was they they did a cool version of the projectiles. They look like ninja stars in the original Gamma vs. Yeah. Giron that shot out and then they landed in the wall next to the kids and showed you how massive each one of those was. That was such a good use of scale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was very... I, I didn't like quite get what I was seeing at first, but when it all clicked, I was like, oh, wait, well, this, these guys are fucking big. Yeah, oh, this yeah. is a... This is the first one to really fuck Gamera up. It hits him in the eye with one of those things, and it cuts off his goddamn arm, and his arm stays cut off for the rest of the series. It's... And it goes through his chest. Yeah, it goes right through his fucking chest. That was... Ooh, I thought Gamera yeah. was down for the count. I thought, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I definitely these thought Gamera was dead at that These point. next couple episodes are just going to be these kinds of killing humans just over and over. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> God, that'd be such a fucking baller move. <laughs> just Gamera dies and they just fuck him up for episode after episode. I'm glad they didn't do that with Gamera, but I want that in a kaiju movie at some point. I mean, that would have been the move, I think, because, again, all the episodes had this rhythm. But if they had killed Gamera in episode four, yeah. then we solved that. To be fair... Oh. That that rhythm all of them have is the rhythm of every kaiju movie. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's but, the genre. <laughs> one thing I, I really disliked about the the fights, the kaiju fights, those fucking crunchy hard rock new metal-y guitars that come in. I kind of like them. this is a badass fight moment. It's so stupid. I hated it. I don't remember it, but I do remember rocking out during the fights. So I think I'm with you, Barto. I think I, I was I think fully it, in on the I think the Limp Bizkit bullshit. Horrible. Char- yeah, it was horrible, but it's good horrible. I don't get it. See, Charles, I don't get it. You you watch 
the the most grindhouse ass movies ever. This is like the auditory equivalent of, of no way. grindhouse movies. No way. Yeah, you just gotta like go it's with the like, flow, like, buddy. Almost I, new metally crunchy guitars, mm. dude. Charlie, you need to get down with the sickness. <laughs> is what you need to do. I have not gotten COVID yet, and I plan to keep that going. Really? I don't think so. Not that Holy I'm aware shit, of. that's that's yeah. cool, bro. That's real but cool, bro. Oh, here you are telling me you need to get COVID. No, I meant the sickness of the fucking insane clown posse or whatever the fuck it is that people listen to. Not insane clown. What's the other one? What's the one where they wear the masks? Slipknot. There Slipknot. you go. That's the one. Yeah, they have a song where they're talking about turtle shells, bro. They should have thrown that in here. I had one of their albums that I really liked at the time. They're a good one. They're like big one. There's a like turtle shell lyric. I know because I used to listen to them. It's real. Barto, I can tell he's doing his Googling. I can't wait to see what happens. <laughs> I don't think this is true at all. <laughs> it is. And Barto is our Slipknot expert on the show. There is a video of <laughs> turtle dancing to Slipknot. <laughs> Maybe that's what you're hey, from a month ago. Only seven we're gonna, seconds. We're gonna hold on. We're gonna figure this out. Yeah, I think you're full <laughs> of shit. I'm not. Wow. I, I'm having memories of middle school. You can't deny those. Wait and bleed. I bet you it is. What? That was like I love that song. Oh, he. Oh, he says, "Inside my shell, I wait and bleed." Okay. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. I think you should put that song in a loop throughout this whole episode. No, yeah, this whole episode. It's gotta go just, just slip that. Oh, I even knew the song "Middle School Memories" for the win. That song kind of goes. I, I I love that song. Yeah. Glad we're all agreement about that. Um, Virus. Okay, so the whole time. They're like this big build up, like, oh, it's, it's you know, the plan is we're gonna get Virus. Virus is our hope, and and I'm thinking the whole time, like, what what makes you think the camera is not gonna just fuck up this guy too? He's just done a number <laughs> on everyone else, and sure enough, it's one of the shortest <laughs> battles. He just he fucks him up immediately. There's nothing to it. It's- <laughs> Especially if you've seen Gamera versus Virus, it's like really Virus. It's your like it not. <laughs> it was. I like that they were trying to like make like the most hated uh, of the Gamera movies, uh, Kaijin, try to make him into the ultimate uh, bad guy. Um, that, that's that is kind of cool. I, I mean, I think people hate Zegra more, but I I don't know for sure. I was just I'm like you're. They're doing like a whole like like Cthulhu thing with Virus. Like th- there's such buildup. And I bet I'm like, I'm looking at the episode time and my like, camera's going to fuck this guy up in like five <laughs> minutes. And that's going to be that. And he did. And I don't yeah. know. I was very, very, very disappointed in just like how that, that episode worked out. Like there was just mm. like so much buildup and so little payoff. <laughs> I can see that, but in defense of Virus, it was focused on like destroying the space shuttle or something more so than it was focused on fighting Gamera. Like it was like flying up into space, like after the space shuttle or some shit, and 
Gamera's like, nah, I didn't hear no bell. And, and the, <laughs> yeah, came I up could from see if him. my focus was on the monster fight, how I would feel that way at Barto. Mm-hmm. But my focus was on like, what's Virus like? What's Virus like? And it was really cool how they slowly unveiled Virus, right? Like you see yeah. this cool layered head right. that's like very different. Then it opens its laser cannon head thing and then like... Tur- up turns upside down turns into a spaceship like all that shit to me was very fun also there was a lot of influence i felt like from godzilla stuff like the monsterverse and singular point in virus like the fact that they had you know found these monsters all at different places and then had virus like trapped and ready to use for their like bidding felt a lot excuse me like the uh like Godzilla King of the Monsters. I don't know if y'all have seen that, but like Mothra, Rodan, like all these different uh monsters are all at their like Right. Uh what's what's the name of the company? I I forget what they're Legendary. called, but I know I know what you mean. No. Oh Toho. my god, what's it called? I gotta know what it's called. What? Oh my god, my brain. It starts with an M, right? Um move molt you it does. Um, <laughs> Moo fan. So annoyed. <laughs> um, I, uh, I, I don't know. To me, the, okay. the whole thing, it, the what I thought of when the episode was over was um, in the first Indiana Jones movie where that bad guy like pulls out his swords <laughs> and does the little dance and all that shit. And then uh, Indiana Jones just like shoots him and then walks away is, is <laughs> sort of how that that fight felt to me. I, I could see someone feeling that way. It's not how I felt. I was I was into it. And I, I also liked, you know, Godzilla had just lost one. And I liked that, you know, we thought he might be dead, but he comes up and he's just like, boom, done. Fuck you. I like Muto. that. No, it's not Muto. <laughs> the name of the company that does all the shit in all the movies. I'm losing my mind looking for it right now. Oh, you're right. That's the monster. Monarch. Monarch, that's go. right. All right. Uh, yeah, them. Anyway, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I liked that Virus was... Virus just, like, looked super cool and looked very different. But, yeah, we, we he got sliced in half, right? Yeah. yeah. Gamera just, okay, like, we should just talk about him. how cool Gamera is, I feel like. I feel like that's the move. He was very cool. He was he very cool. Awesome. He could do everything. He plus a split, few more things. He split Kaiju in half by flying through them. That's how cool he was. He can use all of his power and disintegrate himself to shoot a bolt of lightning through the moon from <laughs> Earth. That was that was pretty neat. Super cool. I I loved how he flew. He like turned into a sea turtle when he flew, and they didn't care to show you how that happened. It just happened, and it was great. Yeah. With like <laughs> blue jets. And my favorite was when he flew straight down, jets going, you know, up in the air, propelling him downward. And then right before he lands, he just flips up so he's facing up and slow lowers himself with his jets onto the ground. So fucking cool. He didn't do his classic crash into the ground every time he lands though true which you know i missed i noticed i I saw you know but that was a that was a feature not a bug (laughs) totally this camera has more respect for the environment (laughs) i guess probably 
I loved how he did his classic spin, but they saved it for later, and right before he does it, spikes come out of his shell to make him more dangerous. Yeah. That was so fucking yeah, yeah. cool. It's a good build-up to it. Like, every time they unveiled a new move, it like it felt cool. It felt special. You know, it was well-directed, yeah. and and they all looked good. They all looked really cool. Yeah. God, you put his, his hand on fire and shove it down your throat. <laughs> He crushed a gauss in his hand, just in his hand. I love, he didn't have a cool fight with Zegra, but the swimming stuff with Zegra was very cool. Mm -hmm. He also did that sphere attack that was new, where it was like the spin, but he made a sphere out of the spin to attack the bigger gauss. Giant, spinny glow balls, yeah. And also, they injected him with the S-gauss RNA, and were like, he's going to regress, and he turns evil, and you're like... (laughs) Oh no! And Boko's like, no, he's cool. And Gamera's like, yeah, yeah no worries. He's just not. This whole twenty-second arc <laughs> just shows you how, how powerful love is. Can't be captured by the apparatus. He can't be. He can't be corrupted. He's too yeah. fucking solid. <laughs> Did either of you wonder why the kid named him Gamera? Because I was like, oh, that's stupid is because he encountered him outside of the game gamer arcade uh (laughs) that's kind of stupid but then uh but then you see like in his when he like sees in history that they've always called him gamera i was like oh i guess he just intuitively knew his name was gamera (laughs) because of his connection he has like the weird connection with gamera when gamera gets paint hurt he gets hurt i'm assuming that's only sometimes though i don't know it it was it was very funny that he's et and elliot with uh gamera that that was that was a funny twist it's yeah it's only when he loses a limb right i think i guess so he can feel when a part of camera is missing <laughs> i think he like got like a headache when they did that radio signal and the fight with a uh, zegra he got like a headache or something I right think. Yeah, yeah but yeah but yeah gamma gets his arm cut off and he's like ow my arm and then like he's immediately like okay i'm good <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's, drive it's, me as a horse nothing is that big a deal like at uh, any point except joe but we'll get was, to that yes yeah, i definitely joe. thought uh he named Gamera because of it, because they were at the Gamer Arcade when shit no, jumped that's out. Very I can't funny. believe, <laughs> I can't believe you thought that. Gamer Arcade. No one calls it a Gamer Arcade. That's like it's what? Like, no, that's what the sign says. Did it really? It says Gamer, and then I think it. I think it's arcade. It's Gamer something. We're at the audience movie theater. <laughs> We're at the like horse race fan derby. <laughs> That's so funny. The racer racetrack. Uh, anyway, okay. I think that works. I, in my head, Canon Charles, that that is why he's named Gamera because it, it's it's like when you're looking for a fake name it's like uh my name is uh uh look at a 20 dollar bill it's bill and uh and you're like 
Wait, but that's what he's always been called. Why is it that way? Well, for the same reason. That's why they named him that. Yeah, a hundred thousand years ago. Part of the reason yeah. they were outside the game. The lost arcade. continent of I mean, move failed is because they invented video games, and then you know, Gamergate <laughs> happened, and then everyone got too woke, and then the continent set sunk. So they ran out of crystals to put to deposit into the to the arcades. That's right. Yeah, in the gamer arcades. Yep. Uh, okay, what what do y'all want to dive into? We got like conspiracy, paranormal, moo stuff. Uh, it's called Gamers Square. Okay, I'm sorry. Still- <laughs> I still think this this is in my head canon. This makes sense. I like where your, I like where your head's at. Um, uh, we got like a American and Japanese weird tension stuff, but also. It's so confusing. Can we start there? Because that's the most normal one that I have thoughts about. I just want to, I want to throw out that I also want to address this show's tug of war between anti-authoritarian and pro-authoritarian stances, which I think ties to the American and Japanese depiction stuff. Right. I I mean, okay. So I'm going to just say straight up that I've, fundamentally think that this is a very reactionary show that the themes underlying the show are because i always think that but it and i think that but like usually if you're following the status quo and just trying to be normal and appealing then that's what you're going to do yeah but i think this is a little weirder than that even but uh, okay <laughs> uh uh but yeah and but i think it it comes from if if this show if if you're like oh this show is actually written by like like a cute like a facebook like maga QAnon person i'd be like oh yeah that makes perfect fucking sense to me and <laughs> and so that like tug and pull between like i yeah fuck authority and also like yes authority put the boot on me daddy oh that is very libertarian you know that like, is very libertarian I, confusion to have I, I think that makes perfect sense to me that that's that's okay give us give us your lay lay the land for us Bartow. the basic premise of this show is that the un is engaged (laughs) in a conspiracy to take over the world i mean the uh which you know is a very unknowingly right yeah i don't think the un is i think they're just like uh associated with this group who, who like researchers like energy or something like that they're, yeah but, they're working with the foundation that's an energy company and the company is but yes oh, they're engaged in but it but also like you know like the i forget what those what are those christian apocalyptic novels the um the left behind is series is that what those are the one yeah where like i mean a charismatic I know a movie series i guess leader of the un who is the antichrist like they don't know you know the un doesn't know you know, you're just not supposed to like or trust the UN. You know, that's just part of it. Sure. Um, uh, a small cabal of people living on the moon is kind of like falls into that, you know, general like kooky right wing. You know, they're not I don't think they're necessarily Jews in this show. But like I you, I if if you told me sure. like they were at some draft. <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked. Um, it's Illuminati-esque. Yeah, it's a little Illuminati-esque. There's engaging in cannibalism to get power, which is again like this very 
QAnon blood libel thing. And then at Oh, and specifically they want to sacrifice children. They specifically Very want to sacrifice Q-Anon. children. <laughs> and at the end, he he shoots and injects Gamera with a RNA like vaccine i mean it, it felt like they, they were doing the vaccine <laughs> like like I, which made him evil <laughs> and then and then like i love part of i i like half get what you're saying and half of like dude this dude reads so much QAnon shit that he can't help seeing this shit everywhere I don't don't know but the person who who wrote this read a lot of QAnon shit too I'm so or at least spent a lot of time on Boomer Facebook and and then like my other friend not me my I'm completely unvaxxed but my friend who got vaxxed also then went and fired a gun at the moon over and over before dying and uh uh but yeah I don't know it just feels but there's you know like uh but yeah it that's sort of a joke. I'm sort of joking, but also it yeah, feels yeah. like it's all there. <laughs> like <laughs> the basic contours are there, and and both, you know, the uh, you brought up the the Japanese and the American military, and the, like there's this weird tension between like who do we they they sort of like are playing it like one might be better than the other, but actually like the American military, like oh they are actually just like looking out for the Japanese people. They're like trying to you know like. They're putting their men in harm's way. They're trying to do their their utmost to like make sure that the job gets done because that's what they're there for. And you know, like, and and the uh, the the Japanese self defense forces are also just like calm, cool, collected. Like wait, you know, just like waiting for the signal. Very patient. Very, mm-hmm. you know, like you know, the Americans are a little more hot headed, but like ultimately they're doing a job they're there they like you you know like it's there's this deference to the military that also that sort of like brand of yeah reactionaryism like really carries i i I don't know i'm yeah let me touch Uh, on oh go ahead i was just saying like the first episode when we're introduced to brody yeah i was like holy shit this show is gonna go fucking hard like against america (laughs) exactly what i was about to say and then no like they this show feels very centrist while it's like Mm -hmm. trying to call out very obvious stereotypes but then blame them not on systemic problems but on individuals like mm-hmm. right right away you have the bully american kids literally telling the japanese to pay taxes on their own land and calling and, them monkeys yeah, and calling them so monkeys racist with rice <laughs> yeah. brains right i could not and believe how racist the, that was yeah. and the japanese people save them right like save mm-hmm. the kids it's shown like that's how we see like oh you should help them even though they're horrible right you also have these oh but then you have you know this slow unfolding of the realization that brody's actually good it's just his dad is a terrible like leader and but don't worry we've contrasted that leader with this other guy who is hold on commander sasaki who's weirdly mysteriously sitting in a tank at all times folding or origami being like very dark and cryptic but then turns out to be like 
willing to sacrifice himself and a super good dude and all this shit. That was and, so weird. And all it takes, you know, is one overprotective Japanese stereotype obsessed with universities mom to <laughs> convince the undercaring, obsessed with justice, all my dad cares about is justice, American stereotype dad, that he should care about his son and not be so authoritarian, and then everything will be okay. Like, it, it really was a deflation at the end. Mm -hmm. Like, it was, and it was very like, look, the Americans will sacrifice themselves for us, and you see time and again, except for Amico and stuff, the... No, our job is to like. What do you mean? We're gonna stay there? Yes, our job is to protect Japanese citizens. We will, we will die to do that, and that's the American stance. In the Ep end. episode two, you know, that was like the second episode. It's not like there is this tension building up through the whole thing. Where like, are the Americans sure. are like hot-headed assholes, or are they good but guys? Was, they got it. But there was the mystery of like the guy in the tank who I felt like yeah. seemed like, oh, is there some more sketchy forces here? And then no. Nope, just, that nothing. character was so weird because, like, every episode they go to him and he's just there for a few seconds and then it's just like, oh, he's actually just a, a good uh, self-defense force uh, general that was just waiting to to defend his country. <laughs> it was the exact same setup of, like, Inspector Gadget going into the room with the evil guy where you can't see his face, you just see the hands petting the cat. Like, it was like they used TV tropes to set it up that he would be evil, and then it's like, haha, you fool, you thought America could be evil? Nope, they love us and they're protecting us. Well, uh, oh, you mean that that was the Japanese self-defense guy? Force yeah. guy, right? Was he? Yeah, he was an STF yeah, the, guy. The guy in the tank. Oh, I thought he was. It's hard because they make everyone look white in this show. Yeah, well, but, uh, but no, um, no, got yeah, it. he was an SD, okay. he was an STF guy. That changes and, things. And they, okay. I think they were supposed to like be contrasting, like again, the the hothead Americans versus like sure. the cool mm. and collected uh, Japanese STF. But like in the end they performed their duties exactly the same you know like there was yeah. no and the americans were willing to die for the japanese you yeah. know I, I don't know there was no i read i forget which review it was but like they talked about like oh yeah this really takes on the tensions between like the japanese and like the american military presence there and i'm like i don't think so i don't think it really no, like it I think it, the, it, it seems they're happy they, that they're there. It positions it's, itself they, like it's going to, but then it's just like, let's just like come together. <laughs> and we all yeah. want the same thing. <laughs> yeah. It's very telling that they made the tension lit revolve around a literal bully. So they could be like, yeah, there's bullies. There's bullies everywhere. But it's not actually America. Mm -hmm. It's a few bad apples within America. Mm -hmm. But even you those know, bad apples are good at heart. And they'll come oh, yeah. around and, and do the right thing. The only bad totally. people are the Illuminati. Those are the only people that are bad to the core. <laughs> the Illuminati and, like, the families of the Illuminati, like Amiko, which surprised me. I was not ready for her to be bad. That um, I probably should have been, but I was I don't not know. ready. They don't do anything to set to set that up. That just completely comes out of nowhere. Yeah. They make they if anything they try to do a red herring right of like the other guy doesn't like kids he's starting mm -hmm. to have panic attacks uh Tazaki or whatever and and so you think oh she's got it all together and then it's like nope actually the babe is the babe is evil of course right yeah Tazaki Tazaki I don't remember Tazaki I think yeah. Tazaki Tazaki yeah Tazaki I wrote it both ways because I'm I think yeah. it was it was a little 
too little too late for him when he decided to uh change sides or whatever i don't know i don't know if he we, ah. he got the we we redeemed him too easily I, I don't i don't know maybe i'm wrong about that it's not a, a point i feel firm on i i kind of thought that when i first watching that when i was second watching it um watching my second time it still feels that way in actuality but it's supposed to be that he had been planning to help them earlier right, right. Um, no i get it yes i get that i think it's just that you know you took this job dude you knew you're like you can tell he's cavalierly just like whatever i just work for this big corporation that's doing bad shit but i agree that he he didn't know as soon as he found out evil shit was well bad shit is like if you're in a corporate ngo and you're making that much money you're doing bad shit but as soon as he found out the like secret bad shit i don't think he even for a second was on with it i think the whole time he was trying to like lie and pretend in order to like get a position of power where he could help them maybe you're right maybe i'm too hard on him but yeah, I don't know. I was kind of that's literally Steve Jobs. You're insulting right there. <laughs> oh no. Um, I also yeah, I feel like this show had this this weird tension between me cheering for anti-authoritarian moments and then being totally deflated by pro-authoritarian moments. Like the line, <laughs> yeah. you can't. You can't trust he's t- somebody talking to Boko. I think it was Joe. You can't trust the foundation just because they're nice to you is like such a great line. It's like, you know, they're oh, we're setting you up. We're giving you these cool devices. That doesn't mean we like you. Like that's like the common. That's the trick. That's the colonizing trick or whatever. And that's great. But then they are on your side, except the secret bad ones who everybody else is against, you know. Oh, that was the other thing. That was my other. Uh, sorry. One other to my like here's how this is a weird reactionary boomer thing was uh what's his name boko that's his name right yeah yeah boko being like this all started when i when we got the you know i got too into my phone essentially it felt like the the sort of boomer critique of technology (laughs) from like the wrong direction like uh (laughs) goddamn facebook (laughs) I took most of the critique of technology, like coming from Joe especially, as being pretty awesome of like, hey, the surveillance state is bad. You shouldn't yes. trust the government. Yeah, yeah. I but thought then, Joe was was on point for almost everything. Joe was my favorite character. Mm-hmm. Joe was awesome. And but yeah, I I definitely thought then the show kind of undermined that. Like, you know, it was the same thing. It was like See, I, I was like, see, the government does suck. They locked the kids in a room with no way to communicate during the attack. And then it's like, oh, it's just the one bad apple, Amico, who did that. Don't worry. But it's also like, well, nobody else was taking care of it. I mean, they even I... split into teams based on this tension, right? The Junichi and Joe are the suspicious of the government team that splits off. Mm. And Boko and Brody are the simping for America team that stays there. And there's no, like, resolution that one team was right, you know? It's just like they get back together and they're kind of, oh, don't worry, it's the secret other problem. I mean, it, that was one of the, the shocking things about the ending was they go to the the foundation facility, presumably, to watch the, the other Gamera be born or whatever. And I thought, like, how does this organization get to yeah, and continue they, they existing? Yeah, they just had... They just had a conversation with Tazaki, and they're like, 
So the foundation was like in big. There's like an investigation of the foundation, right? And Zaki's like, yes, but uh, it can't go into details. And then yeah. um, so I was like, oh, okay, so the foundation's uh, fucked. And then like cut to the next scene, and they're going to the the foundation laboratory to watch the look at the new camera, I... and and like all well, you the... don't understand. They're shareholders, Charlie. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, it seemed like all the people that were, like, high up in the lab- in the science laboratory um, that we saw were all, like, part of Amico's team of evil people who wanted to go to the... So it felt like it was just the whole foundation is corrupt and Tazaki was just kind of, like recently hired on just to investigate yeah. the kaiju but apparently uh foundation's okay i i thought they at least like after you know world war ii ended they at least made the nazis put on fucking nato uniforms before they, they let them do <laughs> and their NASA jobs uniforms and NASA Come uniforms on. yeah <laughs> before <laughs> totally. the, you know like these guys are still wearing the white and orange jumpsuits seemed weird i don't know and let's not forget that these guys plans like nazis sounds like pretty extreme but it is not they wanted to purify the planet (laughs) by killing five billion people i looked it up okay this was 1989 i didn't know when in the 80s this was so i looked up 1985 to be in the middle and there were 4.85 billion people on earth so five billion people was like everybody pretty much they say that there would be like 1.4 million people left um and they're like, it's a yeah. little, it's a little bit less than we'd like, but uh, we'll make do. <laughs> they said something like that. That's a uh, in in uh, like QAnon parlance. That's called plan. I think twenty thirty is is the the plan to kill like billions of people that is being concocted by um, like the UN right now. That, that why do you know? Perfect. That? Yeah, I, th- I think it's the UN or or one of those. I don't remember which organization, but yeah, that's another one. Just. Well, to to me, the very anti QAnon, the very but the very reactionary, still the ultimate like okay, I know where this mo- where this show stands line was at the end where you know Gamera c- kills himself to save everybody, and then it you know it jumps forward and they're reflecting on what happened, and they say everything is getting back to normal. The alerts are down. We're rebuilding. There's a new sense of security among the people. It's like, how do you feel more secure after this? All of the world government controlling bullshit was shown to be vulnerable by a few people to purify the earth with giant monsters. But you feel more secure because America protected you. You know, it's like, ugh. They probably didn't get all those details. Uh. The show's just bragging that people are ignorant. The show's like, <laughs> everybody felt more secure, but it's, there shouldn't feel that way. I am thinking about, like, the 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 TikToks, like, 30 years later, about, like, <sighs> did you know? Yeah. <laughs> In 1989, they tried to kill 5 billion people. <laughs> It it's hard because this show also had some stuff that I kind of liked in like a like the fascist being shown as people who will leave the weak behind. 
great awesome show them that way that's great you know like every it's like the the joker scene in the fucking bank you know yeah. just kill every when, person when whatever. Was, it felt exactly like that i went on a field trip like the last weekend of junior high school we went on a field trip to uh six flags great america and uh we it was me and a group of friends and for whatever reason we decided we were just gonna like keep ditching one person at a time from our group and so every single person in our group would thought surely i won't be ditched <laughs> and yeah until it was just me and one other guy it was really mean i feel bad about it now but i see yeah, it in films all the, the time miko of your friend group what's that I was you're the, the amico of your friend group. <laughs> exactly yeah i some of the worst th things i feel worse about worst about at that age was ditching like it was just a thing you thought of as funny but it like ruined friendships yeah. i like it's definitely like micro fascism it's just this like <laughs> i will be the elite who is left behind kind of feeling and it's it's gross when you look back and look at it yeah super mean i i liked in general the idea of problematizing certain combinations of things, right? Like, if there's a deep sea mining rig connected to a moon rocket, probably bad. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> if there's an energy company hooked to the UN, probably bad. <laughs> like, all those things felt good. It was like, these are red flags that I think of as red flags, and the show is showing a red flags. Like, even the simple, like, uh, the military not listening to or considering the advice or questions or pleas of their underlings, bad. Right. That stuff was good, but the overall net it cast at the end was very, uh, I don't know, just go out and vote. It'll be fine. Yeah, I, I don't know what it said, what it was saying yeah. at the end. Like, I don't, I don't know what we were supposed to take away from that. Like, you know, like, it, one of the really, like, wild things... Um, what would we decide his name is hitaki tazaki uh, hizaki thank you yeah tazaki um uh yeah uh i call him the white steve jobs um i i the white steve jobs? <laughs> the i need to google picture steve jobs you know the <laughs> you know at the beginning <laughs> of episode uh, episode six he he's already he's just talking about like like looking for a new job before the world is even saved. He just learned about a catastrophic <laughs> plot to like wipe out most of the population. He's just like, I'm going to use my government connections to get a new job. Bye. <laughs> and I'm like, like, what are we, what are we, what is anyone's motivations for anything? What are we supposed to be learning here? What's it's happening? It's a big yeah. responsibility and he doesn't want to take it on. I think that's that's understandable. His responsibility is I, to do just a little bit of soul searching. That's all he needs to do. I, Take I, a break. I, every adult in the show is hyper career focused. Even Boko's mom trying to get him into universities, except, except the dad. alcoholic dad whose wife and daughter died, or wife yeah. and son died. It's. It's it's like there are it's a binary you know you're either mm. obsessed with making sure you have a great career or you're like totally wrecked yeah He's... which is not a great look no. you know it'd be fun no. if there was one care oh sorry career focus or I mean, destroy the entire earth focus right <laughs> isn't Japan like don't aren't they like super career 
focus-oriented workaholic uh, type of culture there. Um, yes, which is why I think the the mom was kind of trying to do a a, a Japanese stereotype, right? Like Boko's mom, yeah. when he even says she really all she cares about is big universities or whatever. Or she has a soft spot for famous universities is the line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and we don't get to see Jerico, Jerichi's, uh, um Jun- parents at all. She seems to be left alone, basically, which is interesting. Yeah, we see her her mom off camera, like, asks if she wants ice cream at one point. And then at the very end, when they get rescued by their parents, um, we see her mom for a second. Which uh, brings up another thing. All the all their parents seem to be single parents. Oh, you're uh, right. Which I mm. thought was interesting. And I, I don't know what they're trying to say there. But, um, like, we, ne- yeah, we never Brody's hear about Brody's mom. Uh, Joe's mom's yeah. died. Uh, Boko, we only ever see his mom. And then um, Junichi, yeah, but there's no... We see a little bit of his, her mom, but not um, no father. Well, we kind of started talking about it for a second. Should we talk about the gender stuff in this? Yeah. It's only a little bit. Yeah. And but when it's weird. it started, I thought... Boko was uh was female, um, and then I was surprised Junichi was female. I thought Junichi was either a woman or trans until the scene where they announced it. I thought they were all girls, every single one of them. <laughs> uh, did you really? No, you did not. It kind of makes sense uh, in the scene where. After fighting with uh, the bullies, they're walking away, and um, only Joe and uh, Boko are bruised and beat up, and Junichi is unscathed. Uh, looking back on it, I'm like, oh, okay. But Brody didn't know. Yeah. Brody finds out later. I know, but I'm saying from the point of view of them making the show, mm-hmm. they don't want to have it that they beat yeah, beat, uh, hmm. women yeah. never get beat up in anime. I'm pretty sure that never never <laughs> happens. <laughs> no women fighting. It's um, it's very weird how Brody reacts to the news. Yeah, like he's tripping balls, and I'm like, are you tripping because you were already attracted to her, and now you're upset that she's a girl because you think you're gay, or are you tripping because like I don't get it, like you you weren't attracted to her but now you are because you hear her like gender is just very powerful in this yeah. world yeah yeah he's been given permission to be attracted to her is is right. what yeah. happened and so he is yeah i guess he's a 12 year old and as a 12 year old you're like oh she's a girl oh my god yeah i think it's awesome he's just like oh my god this is a girl and they're cool and he's a 12 year old bo- and he's a 12 year old boy so now all of a sudden he's like oh i can actually have feelings for this person i think that's okay. it and yeah, he kind of trips out really hard over that it. That makes sense. He just looks like a 16 or 17 or 18 year old, so it throws <laughs> yeah. me off. Their age is so weird in this. And then like uh, Junichi does like the flashback to when she first met them when they were in third grade, and they look exactly the same. Um, <laughs> and it's just... That's true. It, the age thing in this is just really hard to determine with them. Yeah. Yeah, when- yeah I mean, Joe... But could be middle aged too. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. When they're in first grade, they're they're smaller. But then third grade, yeah, but not till, a little bit more. Like not even like as much as they're wearing the same guess, fits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one one more thing on the gender thing I just have to say is at the end of the movie, 
I think it was, it was the end of the show. I believe it was these lines. That's one determined woman, huh? Man or woman, it makes no difference. <laughs> Those were lines in this movie. Do you remember what that yeah, was about? Yeah, when did that come Yeah, up? it was about... Um... It was about Boko's mom convincing the general to go back (laughs) and try to save the kids. Yeah. It was just the most, I guess it takes place in the 80s. It was the most 80s feminist thing. That whole setup was was something I didn't like. It just felt very um, unfair of the show to do that, where you see this scene and then it cuts off. And then later in the show, at the end of the show, it's like, actually, we showed you... 10 seconds more of the scene, you would have seen that she said something completely different. Like, that felt very, uh... Oh, um, I didn't hate that. Bullshit, storytelling-wise. I mean, I, yeah. I it's okay. I, in, in this tone of show, I thought it was fine. Like, the, I don't feel like this show's taking itself too seriously. I thought that was like... I was like, oh, I'm glad she's not that horrible. It, But um, it was nice to just... I mean, that line felt to me that, like, man or woman doesn't matter. It just felt yeah. to me like, you know, this American general, okay, not a horrible misogynist. <laughs> so just don't worry oh, about that. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what else it could be. <laughs> I see. I see. Yeah I, yeah, I I can see that too. Very silly, uh, but it mm. I I kept expecting for like a more gender thing to happen, and it just didn't. Just yes, those two things existing together is like two parts of a triangle. That if there was one more thing, you'd be like, okay, they're building a little structure yeah. here. But it was just like little writing accidents. <laughs> it felt yeah. like. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Don't know. Do y'all do y'all want to talk about the conspiracy paranormal stuff? I thought that some of that was kind of fun. Like, first of all, there's the monthly moo. You've gone deep into moo for us, Barto. Yeah. You're the moo expert. Yeah, yeah. I've I've we've talked moo on here before, the Hidden Island, and they like hunt, hinted at like, oh, we're gonna actually get into the existence of it because they they talk about what what did he say? Something um in, when they're on the boat where they're talking about Junichi pulls out a map and she's like. The different kaiju, like all seem to be surrounding the this old continent, which right. I believe is supposed to be moved. Which, uh, which yeah. I I assume when they did their little flashback, like that's where, like yeah. that was the ancient civilization that it was like the ancient Mu civilization, or and a, like the 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 kaiju were hundreds of thousands of years old, which would have been back then according to the show. Right, 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 right. It, it, that's what I figured. And there's they meant. crystal powers which is a atlantis thing yeah 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 absolutely yeah so that was that was fun and yeah i liked the thunderbird thing thunderbirds are having kind of like a resurgence in popularity over the last like 10 years or so i think in that in that sort of like world there's we're claiming that we're seeing them again for some reason but we real quick do are we supposed to think going back to the moose stuff that the yes like the illuminati characters the 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 family or whatever the 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 foundation are like descendants of the ancient Ooh. civilization. Is that the yeah. gist? I, yeah, I think, so. I think so. Which is, I mean, again, ties in very much with like boomer bloodline brain, you well, know, like well, the, the, well, David Icke sort of like everyone's related. All the rulers of all the world going back to Sumerian Kings are all related to each other. And Sure. I mean the the people in the flashback like didn't they resemble the Moon Council in the current day? At least the the um, Amiko's aunt, I'm pretty sure. Nora. 
uh, yeah, Nora resembled the, the the lady in the past that seemed to be part of the council. Yeah, I, I assumed that they were related. They didn't, I mean, it was one of those cool. things where, like, some of that, I wish they'd just gone into, like, a little bit more detail on. And, mm, sure. you know, because there was just, like, kind of three episodes of fluff where in terms of, like, world building and plot building and stuff like that. Like, they could have, like... I mean, I don't want to talk about the show that it could have been. So I went scratch that. Sure. Scratch that. I I liked that the show was touching on that stuff. I do agree. I wish they went into it more. I liked that a, a, a thing that I feel like used to be a rule of old paranormal shows was that no, no one could know about these things, right? Aliens come, no one's heard of aliens. Zombies come, no one's heard of zombies. And this was totally not doing that. Like, I mean... The Moo stuff, it doesn't quite work. You know, people have heard of Moo in, in older things. But in this, I liked that, you know, uh, we had Junico being like, is this the great awakening of paranormal phenomena? Or, oh, this is totally sci-fi. Like, I liked that they said it as if this stuff actually happened in our world and our media had covered right. that. That felt kind of real and cool. Right, right, right. I mean, they, they mentioned, like, what were those monsters that the Japanese are crazy about? right oh kaiju yeah 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 like oh that's right yeah they do it as if it was interesting because it like it like takes place you know just a couple years after the gamera movies really you know like Mm. it the 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 decision to place this in 1989 was like curious to me i couldn't really i couldn't really figure it out i i think i have i have a theory go ahead I think it's because they knew it would never be, it could never follow up the Heisei Gamera movies. <laughs> so they had to place it before the Heisei series because you just can't follow that up. So uh, they didn't want to disappoint people. My reasoning is that I thought, and I, I haven't brought this up, but I thought the early episodes did this really well. And maybe all of them. I thought they were trying to harken back to the 80s you know just like stranger things the 80s kids on an adventure technologically removed from their parents able to do a supernatural encounter in a fun way like i thought the the summer vacation ending uh carved out tree clubhouse kids setup was very sweet and fun worrying about how they're going to stay in touch having to get a radio for that that all felt very you know like et uh fucking uh goonies shit um Mm. so yeah i i really liked the 80s kids setup and i feel like it was like this is now a nostalgic attempt to get back to like an old movie setup for this kind of story okay that that tracks for me yeah it it It, was it just sort of made it feel like i i don't know what the heisei era gamera movies are like like if they have other bad guys or something or other monsters that he fights that that aren't um in the in the 70s ones but um it just felt like that we we have knowledge of this sort of movie because it's the 80s and because there's Mm. been like 40 years of giant monster movies i mean in that way i think charlie you're actually kind of onto something because this does take i was just making a joke about oh i know i know but it (laughs) it it does ring true that this movie is or this show is only referencing the showa movies that came Mm. before it the heisei era that came after it 
is a restart that does have gauss but other than that it's new creatures and for the most part the new cre- the new bad guys are the ones people cling on to as the really cool things mm. in the heisei trilogy so it's kind of makes sense that they would set it before that and that all that they then have at their disposal is what actually came before in a on a meta level i guess yeah Yeah. that makes sense to me also i wanted to show how steve jobs got the idea for the iphone i didn't you know oh yeah that that iphone ending folks i don't know (laughs) i don't know I just got the Steve Jobs thing, by the way. I even oh. have in my outline, why is he presenting an iPhone? And I was like, why do they both keep calling him Steve Jobs? What am I missing? <laughs> he's wearing like a black shirt. I, I don't remember if it was a turtleneck or not, but he's wearing like a black shirt during his presentation too. Like he's definitely dressed like Steve Jobs. He's just glistening with essential oils for sure. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, I don't really know how he saw that crystal and was like i know how we're gonna do this (laughs) (laughs) i mean that's how iphones are powered through uh through kaiju crystals that's why iphones are so good uh i want to touch back to heinlein but uh to what barto you were sorry heinlein robert a heinlein uh the moon is a harsh mistress you were saying oh okay i'm glad i know this this connects where was that coming from? That was just coming from my general like vibe that like this is someone who is informed by a certain kind of I mean I, I would even say American libertarianism like uh, and and not necessarily like libertarianism from like a studied position like even sure. but but like a kind of like don't tread on me libertarianism that that both is skeptical like very very skeptical of organizations like the UN or whatever and and you know I'm I'm sort of I'm sort of interested one of the things I'm interested in in the show and that we've not really talked about is like what the show's view of Japan as like a state is um, because, like, the state... We don't get much of that, yeah. I mean, they're, they're sort of, like, wishy-washy about it. Like, it's so, yeah, it's always it, kind of in the background being like, well, the president hasn't, like, ordered the military to do anything yet. They're kind of standing by, waiting around. Um, and it almost it almost felt like, like the... Like, I don't know. I felt like it was, like, pro-Japan should have its own military that's allowed to defend itself. But also, we're okay with America still having their bases around Japan. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) That's kind of what it felt like to me. Totally. It felt like, again, from my probably too simplistic reading of it, but like the memes that would show up on the page on the Facebook feed of someone whose like interests included libertarianism. That was really what sure. I meant by by that. Yeah, yeah. No, that that makes sense. And it's interesting that it's Heinlein, right? Because like Heinlein wrote fucking Star Starship Troopers, the only book I've read by him, which is very like right. pro-military. And this show is very pro-military while showing certain author- authority figure like situations to be bad. Right. Um but then it's interesting then because we're talking about libertarianism and you're going into like, you know, you have Tazaki as the good guy, but he's inventing the iPhone, which is a capitalist enterprise. I don't know. I, I just feel like this show is not coherent. 
No, uh, I don't really think so either. But yeah, uh, but neither is like uh, again libertarianism. Yeah, and and particularly <laughs> like sort of like American reactionary thought is like incredibly yeah. incoherent. And but this felt like that. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying that this. I, I didn't read anything about the creation of this show. I'm pretty sure it's not. Uh, written by an American Facebook boomer, but uh, <laughs> it feels like it. Has. I I mean, you know, uh, they are prolific, so there could be some influence there. <laughs> but I, I not only is reactionary thought, uh, I forget what you said, confusing In- or whatever, yeah. but like conservative thought is essentially foundationally hypocritical like the hypocrisy is not uh it's 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 not a bug you know it's a it's yeah, part it's of it like it has it. to be hypocritical or it doesn't work right um what'd you say i said it's baked in there it's like it's part of the crust of yeah the yeah, pie. yeah like not part of the feature. joy that that you get by be joining the conservatives on the internet is that you get to say contradictory things and not care and laugh when the libs try to tell you why it doesn't make sense because you're like haha you're playing the game i don't even give a fuck about the game i'm just an asshole and so it's like yeah i can see why something being incoherent could lean it that way even if it doesn't mean to you know yeah and and i don't necessarily think this show um you know the one thing about it that that doesn't feel very reactionary that is like a core part of reactionaryism is that there's no like politics of like exclusion in this show in yep. this you know it, it is the, there's the people who want purification are bad yeah 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 there's no there's no like you know and again the the again the facebook boomers are very worried about people who want purification they're very worried about nazis even though you know many of them are yeah. fucking nazis but they're um uh yeah there's no one in this show who they're trying to leave out they're not like pointing at like uh, there's no like oh the streets are full of trash and vermin or they're not you know there's none of there's none of that shit in here that i guess they could have snuck in if they wanted to there's always space for stuff like that but um, I mean, you can all you have to do is take a dig at the homeless, or you know, say, "Oh man, the population is getting out of control because of immigration," and you're still like, and then it would feel that way. But you're right; there's nothing, and every bad person except the like cabal, which is a minority group, right? Is uh. And, and not minority, like a minority group in, as in like, it's not this big thing that ha- threatens to wreck the purity of our otherwise beautiful culture. It's just Ooh. a few assholes pulling strings. Right. Um, so you're right. That is a major reactionary thing. They're not trying to protect their purity. They're worried about the people who are. Right. Yeah. All right. And, and which is why I don't think that this is like. I don't think this yeah. is like dangerous trash or anything like that. You know, <laughs> you don't think Gamera Rebirth is dangerous? I don't know. Maybe it's bridging on it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't really. Speaking of Rebirth, let's talk about Jesus. Yeah, have we talked about the Christ aspect of this film or series yet? <laughs> I don't actually have one. No, You're kidding, right? No, no, right? I, I got okay, nothing. Okay, good. Whew. I was trying to figure out if there was anything with Amico's name, but I. Don't think so. Her last name is Melchiori, and Melchior was one of the the wise men that uh, <laughs> uh, 
that oh, went I wish... to Jesus' birth or something like that. Oh, man. Sometimes we got to compare notes before we go on this thing, before we do this thing, because like that, if you had told me that, Charles, I would, I would have just started digging. I would have, oh man, that's so funny. Um, I don't know that they were saying anything about it, but I thought it was interesting that there was like some class division between uh, like Joe and uh, Boko and Junichi. I don't think it means anything. In fact, I almost feel like it's problematically melting pot. Mm-hmm. You know, of mm-hmm. like they'd all go to the same school and be together, but at least it was aware that like the person who can't afford a bike but knows how to ride one, the person whose dad is an alcoholic. There's lines about Joe that like it. It was aware that that has an impact on you, and I, mm-hmm. but then you find out that like because he's the realist, right? He's the one who's like, we got to worry about the government surveillance, or we got to not just take risks. And the kids are like, we're still kids, and you realize he's the grown up one, right? There's the line, um, uh, but maybe Joe knew that one day there will be no tomorrow. Like he'd grown up first, but then all of my thoughts on that kind of disappeared when you find out, oh, his mom and sis, uh, brother died, and it could just be that you know, that's why he's grown up and it's not a class thing at all. Right. And that kind of disappears. I mean, it, it very much does feel like this, like the thing like, Oh, if you're, if you're, if your character is good enough, then like, it doesn't matter how rich or poor you are. You're like, you'll find friends, you'll find, mm-hmm. you know, you'll find opportunities, you'll, you know, whatever. You just, you just gotta sure. like have grit and character and everything will work out. And yeah. Yeah. Dep- uh, depressingly melting pot. I, I really like Joe. I think we've all talked about liking Joe. Um, yeah. I, I thought his sacrifice was pretty gnarly for like a 12 year old. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. What did, yeah. uh, what did y'all think of the uh, deleted scene? Or the, or the, sorry, uh, the, the, post the credits. Well, it uh, makes post me credits. rethink that sacrifice. Like, I guess it wasn't that much of a sacrifice. <laughs> he still thought he's he still was going to die. Where is he? <laughs> Uh, you don't know if he thought he was going to die. We don't know where he is. Maybe he knew all along. Maybe he's part of the fucking cabal. I felt like it was a little cheap. Like, mm-hmm. if they're going to do a sequel, I'm okay with him being alive. I guess I wouldn't be if they didn't do this. So it's okay. Mm-hmm. But I just, I bet you they don't do a sequel just because Netflix sucks, almost never does. And yeah. like, Singular Point ended with an awesome post credit scene that was like oh yeah and we're never getting a fucking sequel that may i hope i eat my words i hope you're listening to this right now in two years laughing at me for for eating my words but i don't think we're going to it felt very netflix to do that though was this um uh i mean i guess what you're saying there this was specifically made for netflix it wasn't like netflix picked this up i don't know i'm assuming that they it was distributed by so yeah maybe maybe that's not the best analysis um but yeah, I it, I definitely did feel cheap because they really go heavy into how uh, how much this affects Boko and like um, you know it's a really huge emotional turn in the show like the biggest part and then all of a sudden it's like oh wait he's actually alive um, yeah yeah it did feel kind of cheap but uh, if they do end up having a sequel I'll, I'm sure I'll be fine with it if they can figure out a clever way to work it at least uh but no one lost anything in the end you know <laughs> yeah everyone yeah everything turned out fine we lost gamera but that's because he took the vax um yeah 
Gamera dissolving and someone retweeting with Vax. Yeah, jab. <laughs> I'm pretty much done and ready to go to awards. I did want to mention one cool... I think this show has some cool callbacks and references that we've mentioned. And, like, I, you know, they used the old stuff really well. And I really liked the last scenes with Gamera shooting the moon and him, you know getting in touch with Boko, Boko believing in him and him turning out to be good after like 20 seconds, being on a cliff next to a white lighthouse because that mm-hmm. references the original Gamera where the yeah. Gamera meets the kid in front of a lighthouse on the cliff, ah. which felt like a reference to the Beast of 20,000 Fathoms where there's the big famous lighthouse scene, one of the most famous kaiju scenes before Godzilla which is based on the foghorn, which is talking about the lighthouse. Anyway, lighthouse is all the way down. <laughs> Klong kaiju, you know, fucking accordion of lighthouses and that they brought turtles. all the way to 2023, which I think is cool. Hmm. Damn, Thanks for that history lesson. Appreciate you. Anytime, anytime. Um, if you watch the original camera, it'll, uh, it's very, it's like a whole, they live in a lighthouse and then the big scene where he picks up the kid happens. Like it felt very much like, their connection here cool there's also um, the kid in the first one is like that's my pet turtle and then this one they're yeah. like is that the turtle we saved from the pond yes uh, you're right hmm. and the idea of kids finding get like i i love this like these ongoing series like godzilla or gamera because they can pick up what they like from ones they make without making a direct sequel and just use what they like right like the mm. gamera um the brave starts out with him as a pet turtle and this felt like oh that sparked the idea that it could be a turtle the kids save you know there's it's cool that they can just it's rolling along this fucking like mud ball picking up what it wants dropping what it wants and just making new versions of the same things classic mud ball activity classic yeah right that's what the mud balls do uh y'all got anything before we go into awards uh let me let me just double check we didn't even go into the fact that like Junichi early on thought the military occupation on the moon was a conspiracy and then like was right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Also, um going back to the gender stuff, it's weird how uh Brody keeps referring to Junichi as a like, he and like uh Boko and Joe just never correct him. <laughs> I was wondering, <laughs> so you watched it twice. I almost wanted to go back to see how they referred. Is that true? It happens like three or four times. Like, oh my god! I think like in the episode where it's revealed at the end that Junichi's a uh, female, um, and like yeah, Brody keeps like saying like he, and then like Joe and like uh, and Boko will just kind of like maybe give him like a little look, but yeah, they don't say anything about it. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, I just realized Boko is c- called the code holder. Right? And that's why he connects with Gamera. Gamera, who's Vax, the code's DNA. Is it just that Boko got the jab? Yes. Uh, (laughs) I'm I'm telling you. I'm telling you, it's all about the jab. Um, I I, I had a few, just a few tiny, teeny tiny little notes that most are pretty inconsequential. Um, Wait, sorry, real quick. Sorry. Nora. How are you so certain we didn't rewrite the code? They're engineering the jab. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, 
Um, I thought before they explained that like Gamera is actually not the protector of all children and is just the protector of Boko because Boko has the code. I did think it was very funny that the other, you know, when they're, they're talking about like the other ship that got sunk by Kaiju was also full of children, but American children. I, I thought it was just very funny that like Gamera is just the protector of Japanese children. Uh, that made me, <laughs> made me laugh. Um, but, uh, it turns out that wasn't it. Um, yeah. Uh, per, uh, going back to the, what you said about, uh, um, they, they brought up, there was a conspiracy, on the moon at first i really liked that they brought the the skepticism about the effi- uh, efficacy of bringing resources from the moon mo- mining on the moon and bringing them right. to the earth which is like basically what i think about that's like i, I think about energy in- inputs and outputs from like everything we do mm-hmm. and it's one of those like big things that like sends alarm bells off in my head where i was like oh my god i love this character i'm gonna be i'm, I'm gonna like have good vibes with her you know for this show yeah. felt cool she she was really cool we haven't talked about that enough i liked her a lot yeah yeah i dug her yeah i thought she was great i guess that's it i guess that's all i got have either of you um read jonathan livingston seagull no the book no. from the 70s it's they they like they compare i think it's gauss to jonathan livingston seagull oh yeah, yeah what did that mean the... wait in the the prologue to the sixth episode, the council is looking at the at a specific baby gauss they have captured, and then they give it like some gas that they're like this will elongate its life or something like that. Um, and then the, the, the Noriko's Emiko's aunt says, it's, "What's that Jonathan Siegel book or whatever?" Yeah, it's just weird. Yeah, I'm reading about the general plot. I've heard of this my whole life and always just thought it was such a weird name for a book but yeah it's like a seagull roughly who is uh tired of the day-to-day of being part of the flock of just meagerly eating and getting by and like basically wants to spiritually ascend and so like has greater goals of flight escapes from the flock like gets uh tries to get better at stuff and then like in their old in his old age reaches meets two seagulls who are like oh you think this is like enlightenment we're gonna bring you even higher and goes to like a new plane of reality and i've only gotten that far but it's just weird for gauss if if any of you have read the book and have ideas on why gauss is like jonathan livingston siegel please write in and we will is this also a libertarian book is it i don't know i'm just now it's just kind of I mean, oh, what was the the other book that was mentioned was the last chapter name uh, by Arthur C. Clarke, right? Yeah, Childhood's End. Arthur C. Clarke's politics aren't libertarian, right? This isn't like overt, right? No. <laughs> I don't know a lot about Arthur C. Clarke, but I wouldn't think so. No. Yeah, I would assume they're lefty. Story follows the peaceful and alien invasion of Earth by the mysterious overlords, whose arrival begins decades of apparent utopia under indirect alien rule. At the cost of human identity and culture. Okay, just, I mean, I think they're just sci-fi fans, and they're just yeah. la- naming things after sci-fi things they like. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know express interest in it. Okay, regarding freedom of information, Clark believed in the struggle for freedom of information. Technology, not politics, will be the ultimate decider. Uh, 
Clark also wrote, It's not easy to see how the more extreme forms of nationalism can long survive when men have seen the Earth in its true perspective as a single small globe against the stars. So he's against nationalism. He's an anti-capitalist. Oh, yeah. Clark? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, the goal of the future is full unemployment so we can play. That's why we have to destroy the present political economic system. Hell yeah. Cool. Well, I, I've i read some sci-fi, but I've somehow missed Arthur C. Clarke and Jonathan Livingston Siegel. Uh, Y'all want to get into awards? Do it. Do it. Okay, who's got some favorite shots? Where's some gamma destruction we can talk about? Him uh, throat fucking Jiger with his fist. <laughs> Jiger. With his burning hand. Uh, Hell yeah. That's a good one. Him slapping the the Gios with his one arm. He just slaps him twice. That was awesome. Hell yeah. I, I really like Kieran. The All the shots of him whipping around were really, really cool. Yeah. And I really liked Gamera in his vaccine raged state. Taking a shot at the moon. That was yes, that was very that was, fucking cool. That was so epic. And him disintegrating was beautiful. Yeah, I mean, most of my favorite shots were also monster shots. I loved when uh, Gamera slammed Jiger onto the ground and then just started immediately clawing at him. It it just looked awesome and beautiful. Oh, and when Zegra's eating the ship and it's like the fire is glowing onto his face and he looks orange is super cool. Um, but also there were just, I mean, this show to me looked shitty sometimes and then sometimes like the the views of like sky and nature just looked really looked cool beautiful. i really liked them yeah some of it looked yeah. beautiful and some of it looked like and a lot of it, the first thing i i thought about when when this kicked on did you guys ever watch reboot watch what no reboot it was like an early computer animated tv show about uh, the guys who live in your computer and you play games with and go on the internet with. Um, I don't know. Steve. I would I would definitely recommend checking out Reboot. Just like a weird, I mean, I'm sure the show is not great, but um, just sort of like how people like move and talk to each other in this kind of like mm. choppy way. And But yeah, some backgrounds were beautiful environments were really beautiful the monsters were mostly very beautiful and yeah yeah i feel like i might have come into this more used to the water than y'all because like this animation style is like the cheap quick netflix anime animation Mm. style and like uh the people looked a lot like they do in the godzilla anime trilogy and uh in the uh pacific rim the black show and i'm just used to it at this point where actually i had the opposite view of a lot of people online and y'all seem to where like i was fine with the humans and sometimes i thought the monsters looked like shit but then mm-hmm. sometimes the monster look monsters looked really fucking cool like Ga- gauss was kind of rough for me sometimes but then it would be like oh look at that shot okay mm-hmm. um and even Gamera, like he almost, they sometimes just looked like they didn't belong there, but then you would get a really good shot. And Gamera was so detailed and cool looking. Like, I don't know. There were so many cool shots of Gamera. He was. Gamera's never looked bad in. Mm. That's, like, that's 50 years. fully well, true. 50 yeah. years he's been around, he's never looked bad. Mm. Yeah. 100,000 years, actually, mm. if you remember that's the true. show we just watched. That's true. Pay attention. 
Uh, <laughs> dumb cop Focus. of the week. Focus. Um, <laughs> the fucking Joe's or uh, Brody's dad. For you know, it, it, he came around in the end, but just incredible that he, you know, like my son's gonna die, and I do something about it, but I might get court-martialed. Just big yeah. baby shit. Big baby shit. Yeah. Yeah. Pathetic ass general. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I feel like I had a similar issue to you, Barto, where like I kept writing them down and then they would be redeemed. Uh, like mm-hmm. in the show. Like one of my early ones, I was like, this is perfect, was Brody because he like attacks them for money and then he's like, I'm just here to do my duty. And one of the kids is like, well, you're robbing people from their pocket mo- of their pocket money. I'm like, that's a cop. That's a perfect cop. Yeah. But then he's redeemed. Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to yeah. give it to the two cops in the first episode in the alley who were like, oh, what's going here? Oh, oh what's yeah. that? And then his arm gets and shot off by a laser. Yeah. Classic dumb cop just walking around being dumb. Yep. <laughs> Can't remember what I decided on. Uh, but uh, let's go with this people in Amico's crew who are just like, oh, wait, I you're going to abandon me? You're going to abandon me? And she's just like left and right. She's like, Oh, we don't need them anymore. If he's injured, let's just go. <laughs> and yeah, uh, dumb, 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 I, dumb. I I did think we didn't really talk about this. I thought their fits—they're like the uh, uh, like a crew of scientist henchmen was pretty cool. That was that was just <laughs> yeah. like a good good uh, I don't know fun. Um, and some of them wore masks. They it's looked, a device, yeah, yeah cool. for sure. Another one was just uh, the council. Noriko, is that her name? Noriko? Emiko's aunt? Um, she's just like, oh, you know what? I bet it was uh, Emiko that was, that's fucking with us. And it's like, if it's so obviously you can realize it's her, like, why do you have her in this position of power in the first place? <laughs> right. I mean, that's the weakness of reactionaries, right? They're like, <laughs> country and family. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> you can't stick so. with that. Yeah, <laughs> your family suck. Um, hell yeah, Charlie, good picks. I had right here as my alternate the the followers of Amico not realizing it, and I was like hoping one of y'all would pick it because they're such dumb they cops, big dummies. Um, Praxis. I mean, just Joe throughout for being yeah. suspicious of all the right people for the right reasons, and then obviously for for coming back for his friend for save sacrificing himself to save everyone joe is just the obvious obvious winner here and he's the only one who was never really an asshole at any point besides besides the, his other two friends but everyone else in the show pretty much is a dick at some point and just gets redeemed uh, yeah baby camera hmm. fair uh well that makes what i'm gonna say should have said it first uh mine was also joe uh, for refusing to answer interrogation questions on top of everything i had to pick one thing but yeah uh joe was solid and baby gamera was just as solid and like baby gamera did not answer any interrogation questions Mm -hmm. through the whole show totally okay time to rate this thing charlie will you read us our long-standing gamera rating scale S, Ninja Turtle. A, Turtles All the Way Down. B, Bowser. C, Filbert. D, Turtle That Bit Charlie's Nose. 
F. Dana Carvey dressed as a turtle. Okay. Never forget. I'm going to go turtles all the way down. I'm going to give it a B. It's a low, probably, turtles all the way down, like turtles most of the way down. B, A, uh, turtles all the way down is A. What? I thought, oh, S is... S is Ninja Turtles. A What's is turtles B? all the way down. B is Bowser. Okay, I'm giving it a Bowser. Sorry about that, folks. Uh, Giving it a Bowser. I think, yeah, like a low Bowser. Because I also yeah. thought it was kind of dumb. <laughs> totally. <laughs> but... But, like, there was never, like, I didn't feel, uh, every once in a while I watch a movie for this show and I, like, have this, like, regret with what I'm doing with my evening. And I didn't, I didn't really feel that here. So it's just nice. I, uh, I feel like, given the context of Gamera, like, I feel like some of the Heisei movies are, like, S tier for me, S or A. And then most of the Showa era is, like, C D F. Yep. So this in the world of Gamera, this feels really nicely in the middle. Whereas if we were talking about a different series, I might be somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that's fair. How about you, Turtle Bro? Um, well, I think I generally rate Gamera movies higher than you, but I am also gonna give this a B. I think it was a solid fun, good time. Nothing particularly so, special, but I would look forward to the second season, and I really loved a lot of the monster action. I give it a B, Bowser. <laughs> a Bowser, too. Sweet. Hell yeah. Cool. Solid. Well, I'm glad we got to rush this out and get this. I'm glad we all got to watch it when it came out. I was fucking surprised when it came out. I think it was literally after our last recording. I was like, it comes out tomorrow? What? Yeah. So it feels good to just jump on it. Hell yeah. That was fun. Um And... Barto, like, I'm glad you read so much Q shit because this, th- I had way more fun talking about the deep shit than I thought I would on this. <laughs> the deep state shit. No problem. Um, Finally found a use for it. Thank you, Gamera. <laughs> Please keep poisoning your brain. Mm-hmm. It's doing us favors. Uh, sweet. Well, thank you all for listening. Don't forget to tune in next time for uh, King Kong Lives. Uh, you can rate us on Apple Podcasts, give us a good rating, write a review. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Blue Sky at NoGodsPod, and you can email us at NoGodsPod uh, or NoGodsPod at gmail.com. Uh, and if you want to support the show, uh, why don't you just help your local animals? You know, there's some animals that could use your help. It's like Gamera. You could, there's animals that shouldn't be in cages. There's animals that shouldn't be being experimented on there's all kinds of animals that you can save and maybe just maybe it'll come back and save you 